Do you like playing sports? Watching sports? I don't. Neither. I don't like like any kind of sports. Yeah. Board games, indoor activities, badminton, that's that's okay, but um like the heavy stuff like volleyball, basketball, football. Do they all end with balls? <laughs> so I don't play dodgeball either. But Prissy plays basketball. Like he really plays good basketball. And in this chapter, he plays dodgeball against cannibals. Yes, the name of the chapter is I play dodgeball with cannibals. I don't know whether you play sports or you are an unsportful person like me. Well, let's just start it. <laughs> okay. My day started normal or as normal as it ever gets at Meriwether College Prep. So yeah, Percy's uh, name, new school's name is um, Meriwether College Prep. Hmm. See, it's this progressive school in downtown Manhattan, which means we sit on beanbag chairs and stuff at desks and we don't get grades and the teachers wear jeans and rock concert t-shirts to work. That's all cool with me. I mean, I'm ADHD and dyslexic, like most half-bloods, so I'd never done that great in regular schools even before they kicked me out. The only bad thing about Meriwether is teachers always looked on the bright side of things and the kids weren't always well um, bright. Take my first English class today. English. Oh, sorry, I think I read it wrong. Stop. Okay. You get it? The whole middle school had read this book called The Lord of the Flies where all these kids get marooned on an island and go psycho. So, for a final exam, a teacher sent us into the yard to spend an hour with no adult supervision to see what would happen. What happened was a massive veggie contest between the 7th and the 8th graders, two pebble fights and a full tackle basketball game. The school bully, Matt Sloan, led most of these activities. Won't you kill for a school like that? I know I would. Sloan wasn't big or strong but he acted like he was. He had eyes like a pit bull and shaggy black hair and he always dressed in expensive but sloppy clothes like he wanted everybody to see how little he cared about his family's money. You f you'll find those kind of people like everywhere. One of those one of his front teeth was checked from the time he's taken his daddy's Porsche for a joyride and turned and run into a please slow down for children's sign. Anyway, Sloan was giving everybody veggies until he made the mistake of trying it on my friend Tyson. Tyson was the only homeless kid at Meriwether College Prep. As near as my mom and I could figure, he had been abandoned by his parents when he was very young, probably because he was so different. He was two meters tall and built like abominable snowman, but he cried a lot and was scared of just about everything, including his own reflection. 
His face was kind of misshapen and brutal looking. I couldn't tell you what color his eyes were because I couldn't make myself look higher than his crooked teeth. His voice was deep but he talked funny, like a much younger kid. I guess because he'd never gone to school before coming to Meriwether. He wore tattered jeans, grimy-sized twenty sneakers and a plaid flannel shirt with holes in it. He smelled like a New York City alleyway because that's where he lived in a cardboard refrigerator box off 22nd Street. Now, New Yorkers, please don't go searching for Tyson. I'm sure he is somewhere he should be. I'm not giving you the details right now. Meriwether Prep had adopted him as a community service project so all students could feel good about themselves. Unfortunately, most of them couldn't stand Tyson. Once they discovered he was a big softy, despite his massive strength and his scary looks, they made themselves feel good by picking on him. I was pretty much his only friend, which meant he was my only friend. My mom had complained to the school a million times that they weren't doing enough to help him. She'd called social services, but nothing ever seemed to happen. The social workers claimed Tyson did not exist. They swore up and down that they visited the alley with this crime. Couldn't find him. Though how you miss a giant kid living in a refrigerator box, I don't know. Anyway, Matt Sloan snuck up behind him and tried to give him a veggie. And Tyson panicked. He spatted Sloan away a little too hard. Sloan flew five meters and got tangled in a little kid's tire swing. You freak! Sloan yelled. Why don't you go back on your cardboard box? Tyson started sobbing. He sat down in the jungle gym so hard he bent the bar and he buried his hands in his head in his hands. I always make this mistake, like hands in his head, head in his hands. Take it back, Sloan! I shouted. Sloan just sneered at me. Why do you even bother, Jackson? You might have friends if you weren't always sticking up for that freak. I balled up my fists. I hope my face wasn't as red as I fell. He's not a freak. He's just... I tried to think of the right thing to say, but Sloan wasn't listening. He and his big ugly friends were too busy laughing. I wondered if it were my imagination if Sloan had more goons hanging around him than usual. I was used to seeing him with two or three, but today he had like half a dozen more. And I was pretty sure I'd never seen them before. Just wait till P.E. Jackson, Sloan called. You are so dead. When my first period ended, our English teacher, Mr. DeMillo, came outside to inspect the carnage. He pronounced that we'd understood Lord of the Flies perfectly. We all passed his course and we should never, never grow up to be violent people. Matt Sloan nodded earnestly, then gave me a chip-toothed grin. I had to promise to buy Tyson an extra peanut butter sandwich at lunch to get him to stop sobbing. Stop, stop sobbing. I am a freak, he asked me. No, I promised, gripping my teeth. Matt Sloan is the freak. Tyson sniffled. You're a good friend. Miss you next year if... If I can't. His voice trembled. I realized he didn't know if he'd be invited back next year for the community service project. I wondered if the headmaster had even bothered talking to him about it. Don't worry, big guy. I managed. Everything's going to be fine. Tyson gave me such a grateful look. I felt like a big liar. 
How could I promise a kid like him that anything would be fine? Our next exam was science. Mrs. Tesla told us that we had to mix chemicals until we succeeded in making something explode. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Tyson was my lab partner. His hands were way too big for the tiny vials we were supposed to use. He accidentally knocked a tray of chemicals off the counter and made an orange mushroom cloud in the trash can. After Mrs. Tesla evacuated the lab and called the hazardous waste removal squad, she praised Tyson and me for being natural chemists. We were the first ones who had ever aced her exam in under 30 seconds. Can you believe that? I don't want to do such a stuff. I was glad the morning went fast because it kept me from thinking too much about my problems. I couldn't even stand the idea that something might have been wrong at camp. Even worse, I couldn't shake the memory of my bad dream. I had a terrible feeling that Grover was in danger. In my social studies, while we were drawing latitude, longitude maps, I opened my notebook and stared at the photo inside. My friend Annabeth on vacation in Washington, D.C. She was wearing jeans and a denim jacket over her orange camp half-blood t-shirt. Her blonde hair was pulled back in a bandana. She was standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial with her arms crossed, looking extremely pleased with himself, like she had personally designed the place. See, Annabeth wants to be this architect when she grows up, so she's always visiting famous monuments and stuff. She's weird that way. She emailed me the picture after spring break, and every once in a while I looked just that I looked at it just to remind myself she was real and Camp Havlin hadn't just been my imagination. I wish Annabeth was here. She didn't know what to make of my dream. I'd never admit it to her, but she was smarter than me, even if she was annoying sometimes. I was about to close my notebook when Matt Sloan reached over and ripped the photo out of the rings. Hey! I protested. Sloan checked the picture and his eyes got white. No way, Jackson! Who's that? She is not your... Give it back! My ears felt hot. Sloan handed the photo of his ugly buddies who sniggered and started ripping it to make spit wads. They were new kids who must have been visiting because they were wearing those stupid Hi, my name is Tax from the admissions office. They must have had a weird sense of humor too because they filled in strange names like Marrow Sucker, Skull Eater, and Joe Bob. No human beings had names like that. I'm sorry if someone's name is Joe or Bob. Or Marrow Sucker or Skull Eater, though I'm not pretty sure about these ones. Okay. These guys are moving here next year. Sloan bragged like that was supposed to scare me. I bet they can pay the tuition too. Unlike your retard friend, he is not retarded. I had to try really, really hard not to punch Sloan in the face. You're such a loser, Jackson. Good thing I'm going to put you out of your misery next period. His huge buddies chewed up my photo. I wanted to pulverize them, but I was under strict orders from Chiron never to take my anger out on regular mortals, no matter how obnoxious they were. I had to save my fighting for monsters. Still a part of me thought if Sloan only knew who I really was. The bell rang. As Tyson and I were leaving class, a girl's voice whispered, Pussy! I looked around the locker area, but nobody was paying me any attention, like any girl at Meriwether would ever be caught dead calling my name. 
Before I had time to consider whether or not I had been imagining things, a crowd of kids rushed for the gym, carrying Tyson and me along with them. It was time for P.E. A coach had promised us a free-for-all dodgeball game and Matt Sloan had promised to kill me. The gym uniform had Meriwether, sky blue shorts and tie-dyed t-shirts. Fortunately, we did most of our athletic stuff inside, so we didn't have to jog to Rebecca looking like a bunch of boot camp hippie children. I changed as quickly as I could in the locker room because I didn't want to deal with Sloan. I was about to leave when Tyson called. Percy? He hadn't changed yet. He was standing by the weight room door clutching his gym clothes. Will you? Um, yeah, sure. I try not to sound aggravated about it. Sure, ma'am. Tyson ducked inside the weight room. I stood guard outside the door while he changed. I felt kind of awkward doing this, but he asked me to most days. I think it's because he's completely hairy and he's got weird scars on his back. I don't have a man to courage to ask him about. Anyway, I had learned the hard way that if people teased Tyson while he was dressing, he'd get upset and start ripping the doors of the lockers. When we got in the gym, Coach Nunley was sitting in his uh, little desk reading Sports Illustrated. Nunley was about a million years old with billafels and no teeth and a greasy wave of grey hair. He reminded me of the oracle at Camp Howblood, which was a shriveled of mummy, except Coach Nunley moved a lot less and he never bellowed green smoke. <laughs> well, at least not that I observed. <laughs> Matt Sloan said, Coach, can I be captain? Eh? Coach Nunley looked up from the magazine. Yeah, he mumbled. Hmm. Sloan grim, grinned and took charge of the picking. He made me the other team's captain. It didn't matter who I picked because all the jocks and the popular kids moved over to Sloan's side. So did the big group of visitors. On my side, I had Tyson, Corey Baylor, the computer geek, Raj Mandali, the calculus whiz, and half a dozen other kids who always got harassed by Sloan and his gang. Normally, I would have woken with just Tyson. He was worth half a team all by himself, but the visitors on Sloan's team were almost as tall and strong little as Tyson, and there were six of them. Matt Sloan spilled a cage full of balls in the middle of the gym. Scared, Tyson mumbled. Smell funny. I looked at him. What smells funny? Because I didn't figure he was talking to himself. Them, Tyson pointed at Sloan's new friends. Smell funny. Now we can assume like they were monsters because monsters smell funny. Kind of like that. And their names were like Skull Eater. No one has such names. <laughs> so. The visitors were cracking their knuckles, eyeing us like it was slaughter time. I couldn't help wondering where they were from. Some place where the fit kids wronged me didn't beat them with sticks. Sloan blew the cone's whistle and the game began. Sloan's team ran for the center line. On my charge, Raj Mandali yelled something in Urdu, probably, I have to go to party, and ran for the exit. Corey Bella tried to crawl behind the wall mat and hide. The rest of my team did their best to cower in fear and not look like targets. Tyson, let's go. A ball slammed into my gut. I sat down hard in the middle of the gym floor. The other team exploded. Exploded in laughter. My eyesight was fuzzy. I felt like I just got the Heimlich maneuver from a gorilla. I couldn't believe anybody could throw that hard. Tyson yelled, Pussy duck! I rolled his ass. Another dodgeball whistle passed my ear at the speed of sound. Whoom! 
It hit the wall, Mag, and Corey Baylor yelped. Hey, I yelled at Sloan's team. You could kill somebody. The visitor named Joe Bob grinned at me evilly. Somehow he looked a lot bigger now, even taller than Tyson. His biceps bulged beneath his t-shirt. I hope so, Perseus Jackson. I hope so. The way he said my name sent a chill down my back. Nobody called me Perseus except those who knew my true identity. Friends and enemies. What had Tyson said? They smelled funny. Monsters. All around Matt Sloan, the visitors were growing in size. They were no longer kids. They were two and a half meter tall giants with wild eyes, pointy teeth, and hairy arms tattooed with snakes and hula women and valentine hearts. Matt Sloan dropped his ball. Whoa, you're not from Detroit. Who? Other kids on the team started screaming and backing towards the exit, but the giant named Mara Sucker threw a bone with deadly accuracy. Sorry, I said bone. I'm just a bone eater or skull eater that's in my head. Through a ball with deadly accuracy, he streaked past Raj Mandali just as he was about to leave and hit the door, slamming it shut like magic. Raj and some of the other kids banged on him desperately, but it wouldn't budge. Let them go! I yelled at the giants. The one called Joe Bob growled at me. He had a tattoo on his biceps that said, JB loves baby kicks. <laughs> and lose the tasty morsels? No, son of the sea god, we. Okay, so now this is a really complicated word, and in all the later of the stories, they're only referred to as Canadians. Still, it's um. Le- <laughs> okay, I'm like Percy, I can't pronounce it. Okay, it's um. Less. Tyrconians, or something like that, okay? Please don't judge me. I call them the Canadians. Or I'm just playing for your debt. We want lunch. He waved his hand and a new batch of dodgeballs appeared on the central line. But these balls weren't made of red rubber. They were bronze, the signs of cannonballs, perforated like wiffle balls with fire bubbling out the holes. They must have been searing hard when the giants picked them up with their bare hands. Coach! I yelled. Nunley looked up sleepily, but if he saw anything abnormal about the dodgeball game, he didn't let on. That's the problem with mortals. The magical force called the mist obscures the true appearance of monsters and gods from their vision, so mortals tend to see only what they can understand. Maybe the quotes of a few 8th graders pounding the younger kids like usual. Maybe the other kids are massly on thugs getting ready to toss muscle of cocktails around. I wouldn't believe that have been a first time. At any rate, I was pretty sure nobody else realized we were dealing with genuine man-eating, bloodthirsty monsters. Yeah, mm-hmm. Coach muttered, play nice. And he went back to his magazine. The giant named Mad Skull Eater, this Skull Eater, this name stuck in my head, threw his ball. I dived aside as a fiery bros comet sailed past my shoulder. Corey! I screamed. Tyson pulled him out from behind the exercise mat just as the boy exploded against it, blasting the mat into smoking shreds. Run! I told my teammates. The other exit! They ran for the locker room, but with, the, uh, but with another wave of jaw boobs, hand the door also slammed shut. No one leaves unless you're out, Joe Bob roared. And you're not out until we eat you. He lost his own fireball. My teammates cuttered as it blasted a crater in the gym floor. 
I reached for a rip dad, which I always kept in my pocket. Then I realized I was wearing gym shorts. I had no pockets. Riptide was tucked in my jeans inside my gym locker. And the locker room door was sealed. I was completely defenseless. Another fireball came shrieking towards me. Tyson pushed me out of the way, till the, but the explosion me, uh, still blew me head over heels. I found myself sprawled on gym floor, dazed from smoke. My tie-dye t-shirt peppered with slizzling holes. Just across the center line, two hungry giants were glaring down at me. Flesh, they bellowed. Here are flesh for lunch. They both took aim. Pussy needs help! Tyson yelled, and he jumped in front of me just as they were through the balls. Tyson! I screamed, but it was too late. Both the balls slammed into him, but no, he caught them. Somehow Tyson, who was so clumsy, he knocked over lab equipment and broke playground structures on a regular basis, had caught two fiery metal balls speeding towards him at a zillion miles an hour. He sent them hurtling back towards the surprised owners who screamed, BAD! as the bronze spheres exploded against their chests. The giants disintegrated into twin columns of flame, a sure sign they were monsters all right. Monsters don't die. They just disappear into smoke and dust, which saves heroes a lot of trouble cleaning up after a fight. My brothers, Joe Bob the cannibal wailed. He flexed his muscle and his baby cake statue rippled. <laughs> okay, this is the thing with these books. Like, in the middle of the fight, there is so much humor, you won't find the fighting stuff. So intense. You will pay for the destruction. Tyson, I said, look up. Another comet hurtled towards us. Tyson just had time to sweat it aside. It flew straight over coach Nunley's head and landed in the strand with a huge kaboom. Kids were running around screaming, trying to avoid the sizzling craters in the floor. Others were banging on the door, calling for help. Sloan himself stood petrified in the middle of the court, watching in disbelief as balls of death flew around him. Coach Nunley still wasn't seeing anything. He tapped his hearing aid like the explosions were giving him interference, but he kept his eyes on the magazine. Surely the whole school could hear the noise. The headmaster, the police, somebody would come to help us. Victory will be ours, roared Bob the cannibal. We will feast on your bones. I wanted to tell him he was taking the dodgeball game way too seriously. But before I could, he hefted another ball. The other three giants followed his lead. I knew we were dead. But Tyson couldn't deflect all those balls at once. His hands had to be seriously burned from blocking the first volley. But without my sword, I had a crazy idea. I ran towards the locker room. Move, I told my teammates, away from the door. Explosions behind me. Tyson batted two of the balls back towards their owners and blasted them into ashes. That left two giants still standing. A third ball hurled straight towards me. I forced myself to wait. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Then dived aside as the furious fear demolished the locker room door. Now I figured that the built-up gas in most of the boys' locker room was enough to cause an explosion, so I wasn't surprised when the flaming dodgeball ignited a huge room. The wall flew apart. Locker doors, socks, athletics, supporters, and various the nasty personal belongings rained all over the gym. I turned just in time to see Tyson punch Skull Eater in the face. The giant crumpled, but the last giant Joe Bob had wisely held on to his own ball waiting for an opportunity. He threw just as Tyson was starting to face him.
No! I yelled. The ball got Tyson square in the chest. He slid the length of the court and slammed into the back wall, which cracked and partially crumbled on top of him, making a hole right into Church Street. I didn't see how Tyson could still be alive, but he only looked dazed. The bronze ball was smoking at his feet. Tyson tried to pick it up, but he fell back, stunned into a pile of cinder blocks. Well, Joe Bob gloated, I'm the last one standing. I'll have enough meat to bring baby cakes on a doggy bag. He picked up another ball and aimed at Tyson. Now, I, don't, I know most of you are more interested about who is baby cakes. I don't know who is baby cakes. Maybe he's Joe Bob's girlfriend or something like that. I don't know. Or, I don't know. <laughs> he picked up another ball and aimed it at Tyson. Stop! I yelled. It's me you want. The giant grinned. You wish to die first, young hero. I had to do something. Riptide had to be around here somewhere. And I spotted my dreams in a smoking heap of clothes right by the giant's feet. If I could only get there. I knew it was hopeless, but I charged. The giant laughed. My lunch approaches. He raised his arm to throw. I braced myself to die. Suddenly, the giant's body went rigid. His expression changed from gloating to surprise. Right where his belly button should have been, his t-shirt ripped open and he grew something like a horn, no, not a horn, his glowing tip of a blade. The ball dropped out of his hand. The monsters, the monsters stared down at the knife that had just run him through from behind. He muttered, ow, and burst into a cloud of green flame which I figured was going to make baby cakes pretty upset. Standing in the smoke was my friend Annabeth. Her face was grimy and scratched. She had a ragged backpack slung over her shoulder, her baseball cap tucked in her pocket, a bronze knife in her hand and a wild look in her storm gray eyes, like she'd just been chased a thousand miles by ghosts. Matt Sloan, who'd been standing there dumbfounded the whole time, finally came to his senses. He blinked at Annabeth as he was dimly recognized her from a notebook picture. That's the girl! That's the girl! Annabeth punched him in the nose and knocked him flat. And you! She told him, lay off my friend. The gym was in flames. Kids were still running around screaming. I heard sirens wailing and a garbled voice over the intercom. I looked at the glass window of the exit doors. I could see the headmaster, Mr. Bonsai, wrestling with the law, a crowd of teachers piling up behind him. Annabeth, I stammered, how did you? How old have you? Percy, much all, pretty much all morning. He, she sheathed her bronze knife. I've been trying to find a good time to talk to you, but you were never alone. The shadow I saw this morning, that was, my face felt hot. Oh my God. You were looking in my bedroom window? There's no time to explain, she snapped, though she looked a little red-faced herself. I just didn't want to. There! A woman screamed. The doors burst open and the adults came pouring in. Meet me outside, Annabeth told me. And him. She pointed to Tyson, who was still dazed against the wall. Annabeth gave him a look of distaste that I didn't quite understand. You'd better bring him. What? No time, she said, hurry. She put on her Yankees baseball cap, which was a magic gift from her mom, and instantly vanished. That left me standing alone in the middle of the foreign gymnasium when 
the headmaster came charging in with half the faculty and a couple of police officers. Mr. Jackson? Mr. Bonsai said, what? How? Over the broken wall, Tyson groaned and stood up from the pile of cinder blocks. Head hurts. Matt Sloan was coming around too. He focused on me with a look of terror. Percy did it, Mr. Bonsai. He set the whole building on fire. Coach Nunley will tell you. He saw it all. Coach Nunley had been dutifully reading his magazine. But just my luck, he chose that moment to look up when Sloan said his name. Eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we all know who's the intense bad guy here. Mr. Nunley. The other adults turned towards me. I knew they would never believe me, even I could tell them the truth. I grabbed Richard out of my drawing jeans, told Tyson, come on, and jumped through the gaping hole on the side of the building. You know, I learned one thing, never to play dodgeball. It ends badly. The burning school, probably, he probably got kicked out again. So yeah, that's my lesson. I don't know what you learned. Next chapter is a little disgusting. It involves eye for an eye stuff. If you have a stomach, tune in next Sunday.